Welcome to Views from Stadium Boulevard. This is currently the weirdest moment of my entire life because for the first time ever in my life, I'm recording without Harley. Actually, no, that's not true. I've recorded without Harley before. We used to do that every week. I forgot about that. Anyway, Harley is currently home in Virginia or on the way home to Virginia. So I'm really quickly popping in to do an intro. I actually have a conversation that I recorded with Anthony Broom, who's the head guy in charge of maizeandbrew.com. I can't remember what his actual title is, but he's in charge of Maize and Brew, which if you aren't familiar, is a really popular um, Michigan blog on the SB Nation platform. And you probably, if you're on Michigan Twitter, you probably know of Anthony. He's he's there on Twitter, on the Maize and Brew Twitter and on the Anthony Twitter. So I have a great conversation with him just about covering Michigan sports and some of his stories there. So we'll get to that in a second. So don't worry, it won't just be me talking without Harley. But really quickly, I just want to talk about some of the stuff I feel like Harley is out there wanting me to talk about. By the way, right now, Harley is in a car, eating Chex Mix, listening to Justin Bieber, living her best life. Also, um, Harley's birthday is May 2nd, which is the day after this episode will come out. So if you are listening, don't forget to wish Harley a happy birthday. Um tweet her, DM her, write her a letter, leave her a podcast review. Honestly, a podcast review, great way to wish her happy birthday. It can, it can be wishing both of us happy birthday and it's not even my birthday. So leave a podcast review telling Harley happy birthday. Um, where was I going with that? Oh yeah. So, um, I just quickly, quickly, quickly wanted to talk about the NFL draft. Um, if Harley and I were here, we probably would have spent a lot of, or if Harley was here, we probably would have spent a lot of time breaking down the things about the NFL draft that truly don't matter, such as what all of them were wearing from home and obviously the different home offices of the coaches and GMs and the draft picks were fascinating, truly. I could talk about that for years, but Harley's not here, so we aren't going to spend too much time on that. But um, yeah, so as we predict, predicted um Caesar Ruiz went in the first round so that was great and honestly our entire offensive line got drafted I'm pretty sure we have no offensive line left for last year for next year which is just a little bit alarming especially given how much we've been complaining about our own line after the past few years and now they're all drafted and I don't think there's anyone left on our entire offensive line like I think there's just literally gonna be no one standing there um We'll see how that goes next year, but it's just something to think about as we've been complaining about our O-line over the past few years and then they all got drafted. What exactly is going on here? Um, As of this recording right now, Shea Patterson is the only player um, from U of M who entered the draft and has not yet signed with the team. Everyone else... um, either got drafted as a or got drafted or signed as a free agent with a team and Shay is out there currently not with an NFL team which I honestly feel bad for the dude I know last week Harley and I were talking about I I think Harley and I were talking about whether he'd be a late round draft pick or get signed after I don't think we ever considered that he just straight up wouldn't have an NFL team so NFL teams if you're out there uh Sign Shea Patterson. I can't promise you you won't regret it, but at the same time, I feel like we have no idea what Shea Patterson's deal is, and I think any Michigan fan will tell you that. We don't know if he was underdeveloped. We don't know if he was injured. We don't know. Like, we literally know nothing about Shea Patterson, so give him a chance. He could be really good. We don't know. We have no idea. Um, 
all that to say oh and also <laughs> if harley were here we would be talking about the fact that um uche and ruiz both got dressed up and had little like red carpets on their sidewalks it was sponsored by someone i'm not doing a good job of explaining this but they posted videos on their twitters where they were walking down the sidewalk in their cool uh draft get up and then it was like edited to look like a red carpet and it was sponsored by someone so they didn't just make the edit the the company that was sponsoring them made those edits so that's an important topic to discuss uh but i think that's pretty much that pretty much sums up all the michigan sports news that happened this week hopefully next week harley will be back so we can just talk about literally nothing but (laughs) now we will head into uh, my conversation with anthony broom It was a really good conversation, so I hope you guys enjoy it, and I will talk to you next week. Okay, so I am here with Anthony Broom, who is the team site producer over at Maze and Brew, which is through SB Nation. I think, is that right? Uh, Works for me. Okay, okay. Perfect. So Anthony's here to talk about covering Michigan sports and his stories covering Michigan sports and all the behind the scenes looks at his job. So Anthony, how did you get into covering Michigan sports? Um, well, this is the thing. Um, it's, it's kind of something that I just fell into uh, now, not to bog down too many details here, or if that's what you want is details and stories, I can get into yeah, it. Yeah, Give me the details. Um, so back when I was touring high schools, now mind you, this is, I'm, I'm in eighth grade. Uh, I toured Trenton High School in Trenton, Michigan, uh, which is like maybe 15, 20 minutes outside of Detroit. And mm-hmm. I was really impressed that they had a TV studio there. And I had always like as a kid, we, when I was in middle school, like me and my friends would like make comic books and, and stuff. And I don't know, uh, I was always a sports fan. So like a job in media was always something that very much kind of appealed to me. So when I saw that Trenton had a TV studio, that's kind of the genesis of where my interest in the industry always started um you know but from there you know i went to wound up going to central michigan before central michigan i did a couple years of community college worked from home saved up money um but when i was in community college now i was just kind of knocking out prereqs and things like that um Mm -hmm. because my plan was to go to central for broadcasting central michigan and a friend of mine, someone that I'd gone to high school with, had just started, you know, anyone who follows the Michigan sphere of things knows that there are a billion little blogs that kind of pop up and disappear, and sometimes they turn into something bigger, sometimes they flame out. Um, a friend of mine had started one of those, and we did pretty good. It was a recruiting site. Um, again, it, it... This is when you're in college working yeah, on this? This was, I believe, this was 20... 24, 2013 or 2014. I want to say 2013. Brady Hoke was still the coach at Michigan. And he was just like, hey, uh, I like your, at the time, uh, your Facebook posts, your tweets about sports or whatever. Uh, would you be interested in writing for me? So I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? So that was kind of the first foot in the door. Um, from there, um, again, as these blogs tend to do, they kind of flame out. They become something different over time. Uh, I had joined a project called the Big House Report, which was, um, I think by this time I was at Central now, so this would have mm-hmm. been twenty, this would have been twenty fourteen, I think. Um, I joined on a website called The Big House Report, which is run by someone that a lot of you guys might know in Josh Henschke, who now works for Sam Webb, 
works uh, for 24-7 Sports, the Michigan Insider. So I kind of rode his coattails for a bit. I worked with him at that site. Josh moved on to Maze and Brew to run that site. Um, eventually, I would follow him there. Uh, and again, even the Big House Report isn't even... It's still around. It's not what it was, and, and the name has changed it. It escapes me at the moment. But um, once Josh had an opportunity to go from Maze and Brew to, uh, to work with Sam Webb, that was when the, the opportunity for me to work on this website, uh, which has got almost, this is my sixth or seventh, going in my, it's, it's Jim Harbaugh's sixth year coming up. Yeah. So this would be my seventh year with this site and um, sixth year running it. So um, I wasn't full-time running it until last summer, around like August or so. Uh, before then I was doing, um, out of college, I got a, a job doing NFL stuff for 24-7 sports and a uh, little bit of CBS. That was an opportunity that came to an end last summer. And uh, from there, this job to take it over full-time was offered to me, and, and the rest is kind of history there. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the, I'll say, brief overview. I think I just talked for like four minutes on it. But um, <laughs> there's more to it that I'm sure we'll probably get into. But that's kind of the timeline of from where my interest started to where we are today. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember at one point, Josh was on Brewcast at one point, right? And you were like, this is my old boss. And I was yep. trying to like put it together how how he was your old boss or like where you guys were. So that that makes sense. Yeah, um, it's, it's been a few spots. Uh, like I said, yeah. I joke with him all the time that I did kind of ride his coattails. And he's obviously like much, um, you know, he's in a good spot. We're both in good spots, but I wouldn't be in this spot. And really, the site wouldn't be where it is without him. So, owe a lot to him for all of it. Do you have a favorite thing about your job in general? Uh, I think the platform, um, just in general. Um, pretty fortunate. I mean, there's been some unfortunate stuff going on with, with what we're going through right now in terms of what's going on in the world of some changes at SB Nation and a lot of people that kind of built the platform to what it is today some very funny some very creative people um aren't going to be with us for a while we hope we hope that we get some of them back at some point but what the, what they built this platform into was a place where um you know i've never had any content restrictions on me i've never the staff that works under us at mason brew has never like i said it's, it's a pretty the freedom, I think, is what I'm trying to say. The freedom to kind of express yourself, to not, you know, at the end of the day, and this is what I always tell people, like, yeah, we are we are a credentialed outlet. We go to, we cover games live. We, you know, cover the news of the team. But we're not a newspaper. We're not a TV station where we have these, um, obviously, we've tried our best to follow good writing practices so the work looks good. But we have a little bit. I lost bit, you for a, hello. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. That was weird. I lost you for a second there. Okay. Uh, you were saying um, we're not a newspaper and not a credentialed outlet. Okay. We are a credentialed outlet. Yeah. I'll just pick up from there. Um, so the thing of it is we're not a newspaper. We're not a television station. Uh, we're able to kind of have some fun, um, take go a different direction, do some things that maybe some of these other types of outlets aren't able to do. Um and I've always been empowered to do that from the people that work above me. The people who work, quote-unquote, below me have always been empowered to do the same. 
Um, so in terms of our platform in general, that's probably what I like the most about being here and why it's always felt right to be here. Yeah, and I definitely noticed that um, when this podcast was with Mason Brew, like I remember telling you at the beginning, like we're not like Harley and I are not in our nature going to sound like most of the Michigan sports podcasts out there. Like we're going to be different, and you're like, no, that's what that's what we like. That's what Mason, or, yeah, that's what Mason Brew's about. That's what SB Nation's about. So I've definitely seen that come through, and I think it makes the stuff that you guys put out that we put out like so much more interesting and much more engaging because it doesn't sound like everybody else. Yeah, and I think that that's. Like, we know what we are. Like, we are a blog. Mm-hmm. Um, SB Nation stands for Sports Blog Nation. Like, that's what we are. Uh, there was a time where maybe when I was a little more buttoned up and trying to maybe turn the image of the site. Or, not that we ever had a bad image, but, you know, early on, you're just throwing stuff to the wall and seeing what kind of sticks. Because um, mm-hmm. this is a, this, you know, six, seven years down the road here is a lot different looking of a place than it was before I was here. Um, and I think there's a lot of good in that. And there, you know, it might be a little bit different from the people that were here in the early days in terms of the community and commenters and things like that. Um, but like I said, I think that we have a very, we're very self-aware. I think that we know what we are. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that we have a responsibility to where something that I really try to do is just be, be the, be a voice of the fan base. I think there are certain, um, you know, there are always there are certain factions of the fan base, whether it be, quote unquote, the lunatic fringe or some of the more, um, the uptight crowd. I think we're just trying. What I like is that I think we do a pretty good job of just appealing to a pretty um, level-headed type of person that maybe is kind of confused about things that are going on, and and you know, if we're able to explain things, put them into perspective, and and like God, it just have someone crack a smile, maybe just have a little bit of fun <laughs> right. with it. Um, college sports and really just sports in general sometimes can just be so uptight and, and it can, there, there's a lot of venom. Like if you're on social media, go on social media during a Michigan football game. It's not, um, it's insane. <laughs> if, if there's a tackle for loss on the first play of the game, it's, ah, oh, here we go again. And it's, it's, I mean, trust right. me, running that, running that Twitter account with, you know, it's almost 31,000 followers now. I've seen some things that uh, people probably aren't all that proud of tweeting out in the moment. But um, yeah, so yeah Michigan just, fans can be. Well, I'm sure any team, but Michigan fans in particular are very dedicated and can get very emotionally invested very fast. Sure. Yeah, it, um, like I said, I think we just kind of lean into like, we lean into the absurdity, and and a lot of times we lean into the sadness too. Um, if we can make you crack a laugh or a smile when things aren't going well as they some you know oftentimes tend to during football season or you know certain moments here and there like so my philosophy is sometimes all you can do is just throw your hands up and laugh so that's what we try to do definitely and i think that resonates with a lot of people who maybe don't want to hear the overly analytical and buttoned up other content that's out there that's great for other people who resonate with that um going into like the football season that you're mentioning you are in the press box for almost every home game of the football season, right? Yeah, yep. I think I've missed maybe... I think I've only missed one football home game in, like, the last six years. And I wasn't in the state at the time, so I didn't skip it. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen... I've seen some good moments, and I've seen some uh, <laughs> some not-so-good ones. 
Harley and I are always in the student section and like we can't get service on like obviously in the big house so we're always guessing what everyone's tweeting at the time and then we'll like look up at the press box press box and be like do you think anthony's up there like tweeting this and this and then after the game we'll check we're like oh we were right (laughs) he said that (laughs) um does that mean i have a brand a predictable brand (laughs) a little bit (laughs) we always like whenever nico collins catches the ball we're like every tweet after this game is gonna say when you throw nico collins the ball he catches it yeah well i mean when 110,000 people in a stadium see that uh and people making decisions don't necessarily see that it's a little frustrating, and it bears repeating, right. I think, at times. So. Oh, I'm with you. Um, what's it like covering Michigan football? Because it's definitely a, an exhilarating environment, but what's it like from the press side of things? Um, hmm. There's a lot of layers to this. Uh, first and foremost, I think that... First of all, you always there's always something to talk about. That's just kind of the nature of who their head coach is and how these things tend to work out. Um, There's always something to talk about. There's always something to discuss. And I have to be careful how I say this. Um, The press access at times leaves a bit to be desired. Um, Mm -hmm. Just in terms of... uh, Like, I've never seen a practice uh, other than the open practices that they've done at the big house um and even they did a few of those where those weren't even open to the media they were only open to students i think um oh that's bizarre yeah that was that was early on um that might have been that first year because i remember i don't remember if we had someone that was able to get in there or you know i had um kids that were kids they're adults um but people who wrote for like the daily at the time Saying that, hey, uh, if you want to run this from me, this is what happened in there, and um, so that was that was an interesting time. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think that uh, a lot of people, and I guess this is where I kind of get on a soapbox here uh, and defend the beat for a second. I think there's a narrative out there that we just sit in front of Jim Harbaugh with like puppy dog eyes and roll over and pet his, you know, he rolls over, we pet his belly, and everything's all good. <laughs> Um, he gets asked a lot of tough questions and he doesn't answer any of them. Um, you know, and sometimes it just comes with the knowledge of like, I'm not, I probably should be better about this moving forward, but, um, you know, I'm not a huge question asker because the things I think I'd want to know are things that I'm going to get some kind of pithy response to or not responded to at all. So really all it does is kind of just like, it's a waste of my time and a waste of his. Uh, I, I think we get a lot more when we talk to players. Um, you know, like I said, um, you go to a place like Notre Dame. Uh, I was there for the night game a couple years ago. You know, five minutes left in the game, you're able to come down on the field. You have uh, the bowl game. We had pregame field access and things like that. Unless you're a photographer at Michigan, and I don't know if everyone knows this, but only the photographers are allowed on the field at all. I've been down on the field at Michigan Stadium once, and it was when, I don't know if you were at Michigan yet or not, but they had a spring game on a Friday night. And that was the only time I've ever been down there. No, I wasn't there yet. Wow. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, uh, it's just, it's not, there's not a whole lot of, uh, I'll put it this way. Uh, there's a reason people call it Fort Schembechler is because <laughs> things, um, 
there are things that do not escape that building unless you have an in inside the building. And if you're, you know, Michigan, some Michigan fans who are kind of in tune with the the scene and the beat know who those those people are. Um, it's not hard mm-hmm. to tell who those people are, <laughs> but uh, and I'll say this potentially even maybe playing favorites a bit with who those people are and that's where i'll stop with that um right so yeah the act the access at times can be a little bit frustrating because even and i could be wrong about this talking out of my rear end here but i think like nick saban down at alabama even opens up his practices for like 15 minutes to just reporters take notes um we don't get any of that so unless you're someone who runs a subscription site you don't you're not really getting any of that information and it makes it you know it make it really does make it hard to report on the team because uh, then it creates a situation where oh well, none of these people covering the team know what's going on it's like we're not being given the information we need to keep you up to date so um it's not really i mean it happens in a lot of places it's not specifically michigan but um something i'd wish we'd see in more in general is less of an adversarial approach to the media and more of a you know help us help you because really all we're we're a bridge to the fans so um, right well neither job exists without the other if there's no media covering college sports nobody's watching college sports right so and that's that's what makes things interesting now like if we're heading to if we're heading down a road where we're playing sports this fall without fans like where do you draw the line on media that's allowed to attend too because there are people that have to travel um you know an hour and a half a couple hours day in arbor like where it's gonna be interesting is all i can say and yeah. i think if they well, had if they had the choice to be i think they would be a little more selective so if we do go down this road i'm interested in seeing uh where that goes next like we'll be there i have no yeah. doubts about that but um just something that bears you know mentioning as i speak out loud here <laughs> does do you think that comes from like Jim Harbaugh or has that been consistent at Michigan across different coaching administrations? Like has Michigan always been this exclusive with what media access they allow? Uh, My understanding is mostly yes. I think it's a little more buttoned up under Jim Harbaugh. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, like I said, I think that I do, again, this was slightly before my time. I think that media was allowed to see some of hoax practices, um, it's never been, you know, it's never been wide open, open season or anything like that. Um, like I said, right. the, the Fort Schimbeckler nick, nickname that I referred to is something that goes, that precedes any of this. Um, but, you know, like I said, I think they always have just kind of been a, you know, they're very, they, they like to keep to themselves and cause we can debate the merits of what good that does probably another time, but Right. Um, yeah, it's uh, they're it's, selective with what it, information comes out and who who releases that information. Yeah, it's mostly the same. But I, I'll even say this: um, Harbaugh has always kind of buttoned things up, and it's been a very NFL type approach. But it's gotten as as things have gone on, and more things have been written and said about what has gone on under his watch. Which again, bears repeating, has not been terrible. It just has been underwhelming. Um, I think the more people that kind of come out with criticisms, the more they kind of do button things up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where things stand with all that right now. Yeah, that's interesting though. Um, even though you have, you know, 
not as much access as maybe media members should have. Um, do you have any interesting, like, behind-the-scenes type stories of moments in press conferences or locker rooms that people would find interesting? I know that's a vague question, but if there are any stories you have to share. Yeah, I don't have any juicy stories, really. Uh, I'll say, in terms of behind-the-scenes stuff, and even, like I said, it's not exclusive to um, the football team. Even Michigan basketball, generally speaking, I mean, they... Um, they kind of buttoned things up a little bit more this year with Juwan Howard. And I think by design, because he was a first-year head coach, figuring things out. And um, But the really the only time I've had super, super behind-the-scenes access, and this is what bummed me out about not having a postseason this year, is last year at the Big Ten Tournament in Chicago was probably the most of an inside look I've had with any Michigan team. Um, you know, because you... You're there all weekend, first off, and then after all of their games, it's open locker room, it's you know open kind of media forum. You're speaking to John Beeline like in the hallway of the United Center, like behind where That's the locker so rooms cool. are. Um, and we don't get like basically how it works um, for basketball games. If anyone knows the layout of Chrysler, we walk. Um, from the media section and then where there's like that there's like a fountain sort of by the MDEN store and you walk down there and that's where the media room is. We usually go straight there after games and an opposing team coach will speak, the coach will speak, whether it was John Beeline or Jawan Howard, and then they give you like two or three players like spread out amongst the room. And football actually does, uh, here's a little behind the scenes fun fact, football's media takes place in the same room. So we come down from the press box at Michigan Stadium, we walk around the concourse into Chrysler, and then down those same stairs, and that's where uh, Jim Harbaugh and you know his players will speak. Uh, the visiting media is somewhere near the tunnel uh, on the directions, directions east side of the stadium. So um, well, that's interesting. That I guess I never like pictured where the press conferences take place, but that even football press conferences take place at Chrysler. Yeah, it's a bit of a hike, especially yeah you're navigating. Um, it's like the whirlpool where you know you you're trying to walk against the the flow of people getting out right. of Mich- you know 110,000 people trying to, to get out of that stadium yeah, you're walking you're literally walking the opposite direction that everyone's going with a laptop under your arm uh with right. a you know with a press pass dangling from your neck with you know all this equipment and you've got people bumping into you and it's um sometimes it's it's a struggle to get down there on time is all I'll say uh, but yeah. if you're someone, you know, if you have a Fitbit or something and you're looking to get your steps in for the day, <laughs> Saturdays are the day to do it. For sure. Even if you're not in the media, just to, trying to yeah. make your way to the big house. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I know that like the basketball team sometimes will leave um, the big house during football games and go watch the game in the Chrysler locker room. So I guess that makes sense. There is just like traffic going back and forth between the two. Um, so you said that the Big Ten tournament in Chicago was more accessible to the media. Is that because like big, the Big Ten puts it on rather than Michigan athletics, or is that just the nature of the tournament? I think that's more – I don't think it's like them saying – the Big Ten saying, Michigan, uh, you have to have everything open now. I think it's just a – you know, it's more um, – because there's so, much, there's so much going on, I mean, at any given time you could have – eight teams in the building at once and to coordinate 
using one media area. Like, they all have different locker rooms there. Or there's, like, mm-hmm. if memory serves me correct, there's, like, four different locker rooms. So throughout the day, obviously, it's staggered. But if you just do the team's media in their locker room after the game, it's just easier for them to coordinate that way. And that's, you know, I don't think there's any coincidence that some of the best journalism you see throughout the year, some of the best storytelling, content, viral stuff, comes from these postseason tournaments, the conference mm-hmm. tournaments, the NCAA tournament, because you're you're basically following, you know, you're um, hunkered down with the team for, you know, if you play two NCAA tournament games, you're there for four or five days with them. So um, right. it's a little more of an... A little more of an inside look um, because they, I mean, they do have, I believe, open practices for like NCAA tournament um, that media has access to. So there's just more opportunities to that, um, to do that. So that's, I don't think it's, I, I certainly am not trying to paint a picture that Michigan is like the um, the media police and they're just trying to keep everything they can. Um, because like I said, the people who are in charge of media, coordinating media want these stories told they want good publicity coming out so i don't want to create a i don't think michigan's scared of the media i I just think that um like i said it's uh just like to have a little bit of control on what's out there is all yeah definitely do you have a favorite memory of covering michigan sports hmm um that's a good question i mean the one that the one that immediately popped in my head uh was Probably the North Carolina game last year at Chrysler. Um, oh, yeah. Probably the loudest I've ever heard that building. Probably, I mean, again, that's a it's a team coming off of a, a trip to the national title game that was supposed to kind of be rebuilding. And they come out, they, they, kick, the, they kick the absolute crap out of Villanova on the road. And then a couple games later, they come back and play North Carolina at home. And again, they just demolish them. So that that was a lot of fun, um, you know. Football. Yeah, I remember, I skipped that game because I had to study for an exam. I oh man, that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd have to say most of them are basketball games because, like I said, I mean there have been, um, you know, I think of the big, you know, the 2016 football game against Wisconsin with the Jordan Lewis interception was one mm, that yeah. stands out. But like I said, a lot of the. I mean, Notre Dame this past year was, you know, in the rain and, and what they were able to do coming off of that loss at Penn State is up there. Uh, a lot of those games, like, let's make no mistake about it. I mean, the opportunity for most of those memories um, comes in the form of rivalry games. And up until up until this year, Michigan had never beaten Michigan State at home under Jim Harbaugh. And they haven't beaten Ohio State at all under Jim Harbaugh. So... If you want to, I can go to a bad memory. I mean, probably my my most vivid memory is um, I was at the 2016 JT was short double overtime oh, game, no. and and Ohio State fans rushed the field after that, so I couldn't even get down from the press box because I wasn't. You know, you just weren't gonna leave for that because it being as tight as it was, and you know, at the time right. I was kind of doing things solo. Um, you kind of just had to be there to post a story, but I couldn't even get to the locker room. So there was um, just that whole day was a nightmare uh, navigating around. Like, let me say this, and I'm not going to turn this into Ohio State bashing hour because we have other forums we can do oh, that can on. Turn it into that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a problem. Let me that. just let me just say this: 
the horseshoe is everything that people say it is. Uh, it is, it, it sucks to navigate around. Like I said, very cool in terms of an atmosphere because it is so electric, but it is mm-hmm. literally like going into the lion's den. Uh, it is, it is horrifying. And, uh, like I said, um, there are times where it's hard to wrap your head around the lack of success there until you've been there and you realize like, this is just, it's something, it's just, it's just a different monster. So that those are among some of the more vivid images that I have. Do you think that the like fan environment there is significantly like noticeably different than the big house in terms of how electric it is and how loud it is? Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't think that like, I, I think sometimes the big house people rag on a little bit because of, oh, the old people are telling you to sit down and it doesn't get that yeah. loud. And, and to be honest with you, it doesn't really get all that loud. I don't think teams are afraid to come play there. Um, you know, the only thing that can kind of be disorienting, I think, is maybe just looking up at just this giant bowl of people that um, it's, it seems like it never ends. Um, right. But part of the reason that it's not that loud is kind of the way it's designed and, and, Putting those press boxes at, uh, you know, the luxury box and the press boxes, because those haven't been there all that long. Uh, it helped keep the sound in a little bit, but the way it's designed, the sound just kind of escapes from it. Um, so that's part of it too, but yeah, it's not, like I said, I think that it's kind of going to a Michigan game for a lot of people, I think is more of a rite of passage. And it's something that, you know, you've done for years. It's, you know, it's something that you've done on a Saturday but I think for Ohio State fans, like I said, it's literally like walking into the Coliseum while like a gladiator is like fighting off lions and stuff. Like people are bloodthirsty there. And I don't think that's that's not to say one fan base is better than the other. Uh, there are all kinds of debates and arguments you can have about that. But it's just, I just don't think it's as fearsome a place to go play as going to Ohio Stadium is. Um, it's in, it's intimidating there, and I don't think that um, I don't think Michigan is quite that. Is all right. I mean, honestly, like from my perspective of my sample size of Michigan fans being myself, like the my attitude going into Michigan games is like I'm excited and I'm probably louder than most people in the stadium, but it's also this feeling of dread, like you just know something bad is gonna happen, and Ohio State fans don't need to have that feeling because in the past couple of years they haven't had to have that feeling they haven't they haven't struggled to do anything in 20 years and i think that michigan fans um okay this is actually this is perfect um ohio state fans walk into that stadium every week expecting to win michigan fans walk into that stadium every week expecting the other shoe to drop if something does go well there's it's a nerve it's a Ohio State is a nervous, or not a nervous, it's like a frenetic um, powder keg of energy where Michigan's more of like a, it's a nervous energy. It's a it's a cautiously optimistic to, um, oh God, I hope something bad doesn't happen energy. That makes perfect sense. I mean, given how both the programs have been performing and also just seeing on Twitter or in real life how the fans talk about their schools or their teams that they root for, that makes perfect sense that that would be the energy in both those stadiums, which sucks. Like, I wish Michigan could have more of that excited, optimistic energy, but as a Michigan fan, like, I'm not getting my hopes up. Yeah, I mean, you have to give people something to root for. Ohio State fans have been given, like I said, 20 years of elite to, you know, 
historic levels of winning where Michigan fans, you know, we won't rehash all of it here, but, you know, it's been 15, 16 years since they've won a Big Ten title. They've had some bumps in the road. Um, mm-hmm. Again, like, it's the sample sizes are just different. And, you know, it, it's something I talk about on the recruiting trail all the time. You're getting to a generation of kids who remember the Rich Rod and, you know, you're recruiting kids who remember the Rich Rod and Hoke Wolverines as opposed to, you know, it's not... Michigan will always recruit well uh, because of the brand and their facilities are tremendous and, and what they are. Um, but the further they go without winning big, winning big, because they are they're a competently run fine football program right now. But uh, that's all they are at the moment. So it's... People talk about losing to recruiting battles to Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama. Like, you kind of just have to do your part on the field and, and see what happens from there. Yeah. Do you think that energy that you're talking about in the fan bases, like the nervous energy versus optimistic? I know people always say this, and it bugs me so much, but that Ohio State just wants it more and that they have more respect for the rivalry and all of that. Do you, do you think there's some merit in that in terms um, of the teams? I think that where what I'll say there is I think where there's smoke there's fire, um, you mm-hmm. know. Despite like Ohio State, like yeah, they they have they have a song called "We Don't Give a Damn About the Whole State of Michigan," but they clearly do because they wrote a song about it. Um, they <laughs> right. they breathe that now, mind you. Um, like I said, they have they have the success that they've had over the last couple you know last couple decades now almost. Um, I just think that it's a program that knows how to win those big games. I don't think yeah. Michigan does. And I'll you know, it goes beyond Ohio State. You watch them watch them play at Penn State this past year and go down twenty one zero. Watch them play at Notre Dame a couple years ago on the road and go down the way they did. Um, there's like a deer in the headlights look about them when things go wrong. Um and like I said, this is something that predates, and Jim Harbaugh gets a lot of flack for this, but this is something that predates him as well. Um, it's kind of been a Michigan thing. But again, when you have this, your Ohio State, you have this this sustained level of success year after year after year, uh, and then, okay, you went 6-6 six and six one year, and then, bam, you got Urban Meyer out of it and was taken to the next level. Um, it just, it builds. It builds and it grows to the point where, um, you know, someone, a friend of mine who covers the New England Patriots used to say, there are teams that lose more games against the Patriots than the Patriots do win those games against other teams. Because when you have this reputation about you, I think that there's a little bit of a lump in your throat. There's a little bit of nervous energy going that, you know, if we give them an opening, if we're not perfect today, we're going to lose. And I think that's that's what the difference is. Uh, it just the gap widens because it's just year after year after year. And it's going to take some kind of special group, special player, special force of energy. I'm not even ruling out the fact that it can be something that happens under Jim Harbaugh, but um, it's just a matter of it's it's like a just one brick at a time. And Ohio State has is living in a mansion at the moment and. Michigan is kind of just, you know, they build a couple bricks here and there, and then a tornado, a tornado rips through, and you have to start all over. So, um, 
They the plant the potato, and then next day a tornado rips through, and they can never make the potato salad. That's right. There you go. I think that's what I was trying <laughs> to say. Um, yeah, it's just a, like I said, um, it's there's a stronger foundation there um, is kind of the long and the short of it. So I don't think it's it means you have bad fans. I don't think it means you have bad players. I actually, and this is something I keep saying to people who get frustrated about it is, you know, you can point to recruiting rankings and stuff, and you can point to whatever you want to point to, but you know, there, it would just be amazing to see what they could do if they just stayed out of their own way, because you look at a right. lot of these games that they've lost, it's been self-inflicted gunshot blasts to the foot. Um, so, I mean, if and maybe that does, I think that is a coaching thing. I think you could be mentally tough, more prepared for that. Um, but again, it's something that predates predates the guy that's there. So I don't know what the solution is. Yeah. It's been a minute since I've lamented Michigan's inability to, to yeah. beat Ohio State and win big games. I'm like, oh, it's all coming flooding back to me right I now. Didn't, I didn't mean to take us there in what is probably the most anxious uh, period of time we'll ever <laughs> experience in our lives. But hey, uh, dread is in the air. What can I say? Yeah, well, I was thinking... Michigan fans, if anything, are active on Twitter. So if the college football season goes to Twitter poll like March Madness did, we're in the Final Four for March Madness. And yeah, well, that's that's something probably I always, wouldn't have been if it was in person. That's what I always say is that um, people hate Michigan. That are, you know, it's they're probably one of the most hated like brands in sports for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Probably I, I don't know. We won't get into that, but. Nobody puts butts in the seats more than Michigan. Like Michigan fans on their own. Like you go uh, anywhere, for example, and I don't need to really say this, but it's just a story of how big this fan base is. I went to Nashville like three or four years ago for work, and I had Michigan stuff on. A guy walked up to me on the street, was a Michigan fan, and we got to talking, and it was literally like someone that grew up like, literally a block from me so and and i didn't go yeah. to michigan but he went to michigan it's just like michigan spreads more people out across the nation across the world than like any other fan base plus people hate them so people tune into these games to watch them lose so nobody puts butts in the seats more than uh more than michigan does so that's you got that going at least the brand yeah, is strong that's, that's very true i had a similar experience in nashville i like I was streaming a game, neither of my roommates, I was with two of my roommates and neither of them watched football and I was streaming a game and we were in an Uber and then my Uber driver goes, oh, is that the Michigan game? And like starts asking me all about it. I'm like, good. I'm glad to know like there's someone I can talk about all this <laughs> with wherever I go. Yeah. Um, before we finish this up, do you have any, like anything in particular you're looking forward to in this upcoming season, whether that's football or basketball, assuming those seasons do happen, one thing you're excited for? I think I'm just looking forward to the possibility that they could happen. I mean, if you're <laughs> if you're telling me that we're going to get a season, but it might not start until November, December, and run through like March or something, I think I'd take that at this point because anything we get to me is gravy right now. Um, I can't. I don't know what things are going to look like tomorrow. Uh, but like I said, if we're looking at, let's assume we get a season. Because I think we will. I think there's too much money on the line for there not to be something. Um, mm-hmm. It's the obvious thing. It's the quarterbacks. Um, Michigan has never had a 
in my opinion, an earnest quarterback battle um, of Jim Harbaugh recruits. So I think that uh, have seeing having seeing that guys have a chance to do that and and maybe like I said, who knows? Maybe that's it only winds up with them going eight and four or something. But um, <laughs> whoever whoever wins this job is probably going to be the starter for the next two years. So it's do do you have a prediction of who that's going to be? I think it will. I mean, I I've said this before on other pods, but I think that there's a chance because of what's going on. Um, it maybe tips the scales in favor of McCaffrey a little bit more just because I don't know how many reps they're going to have to actually carry out this oh, battle in earnest. So that's, um, that's a good point. Yeah. I think I'll say this. I think it will be McCaffrey, but whoever, like don't count out Joe Milton. He's very much in the mix. Um, but whoever wins this battle, I think will give you at worst, probably what they what they've already been getting out of like Shea Patterson, which is like fine. That's fine. That'll win you nine or ten games. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that there's a high ceiling there with both of them, and I think people should be excited about that. I'm excited. I just had like a flashback to when Harbaugh said he's redefining what QB one means, and it's going to be McCaffrey and Patterson. Um, before, okay. So do you have any? What was I going to say? Oh, where can people find you? So Twitter, social media, the website in general. Sorry, lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, find me. You can you find go. me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. You can find me at Maze and Brew uh, on Twitter or Maze and Brew. Um, got some some projects coming for the dot com and SB Nation uh, that you might be interested in. I can't reveal too much about that at the moment, but um, yeah, a uh, little bit of this, a little bit of that um, everywhere. So just trying to keep everyone busy, keep everyone occupied, and. Uh, like I said, just trying to make someone smile or be entertained right now. Um, I think we could all use a bit of that. So that's where you can find me. For sure. Thanks so much, Anthony. It was great talking to you. Of course, anytime. Yeah.